My name is Neil Fry. I've recently moved to a strange town of Lightingdale. At first glance, it may look like a nice town, but if you stay there for too long, you'll see that something is wrong about it. I've seen this happen. This is my story. This is Welcome to Lightingdale. The room was one of many experiments that allow us to tamper with the fabric of space-time an enclosed location, to toy with the delicate laws of our physical world and fine-tune them to our liking. The first 370 went off without a hitch. Some of our finer work included room 112, where one could experience astral separation. With it, the ability to view remote locations. In another, room 213. There were dream storms. Any subject uh, asleep inside would be bombarded with pieces of other people's nightly cinema. Nightmares and all. And our crowning achievement up to that point, room 301. Within its walls, time stood still. No matter how long a subject claims to have stayed inside, they have always exited the room at the same time they arrived. Then there came that room, the one that puts all the others to shame, room 371. A few tests were pro promising. Mixed results of readings led us to draw a conclusion that this room had somehow inherited traits from all of the previous ones. For starters, time was malleable in that to an extent. Subjects reported being inside for weeks, when really, it had only been a few days. In addition, they all experienced different things. Out-of-body events, hallucinations, and psychic visions. But the list even goes on. It was shaping up to be our best work, but then the unthinkable happened. It is a day I'll never forget, try as I might. Elizabeth, you're pregnant. Seven months along. You know my work here is damaging. You can't risk your safety. A sigh of disappointment came through the receiver. I know, Garrett. I know. But I haven't seen you in over a week now. Will you even be here when our son is born? This time, I let out a sigh. The work we're doing, it could very well change the world. When our son is born, I will be there, and I want him to be proud of his father. We had reached in posse, and so we sat for a moment in silence, bone to our ears, each hoping for a bit of understanding from the other. It was in this silence that I charted a course for fatal ground. Tell you what, why don't you leave Jessica with the nanny and get a room at the local inn? I usually sleep here, but the hotel's just around the corner. I can meet you there after work and make a night of it. After work? Is there even an after work for you? <laughs> I chuckled. Not particularly, but uh, I promise I will be there. Say, um, nine ish?
You're lucky I still love you to pieces after all these years. There was a hint of reluctance in her voice, but deep down, I knew she was ecstatic to be met halfway. As much as I was married to my work, I would have given anything for even a small chance to make her smile. Good. I'll see you tonight, then. I gave her directions to the hotel, and we disconnected. I then turned my attention back to 371. A box of walls connected to the rest of the lab and control arms and cables. It had no shortage of mysteries, and I would be darned if I didn't solve them all. If only I knew at the time what I was getting myself into. Hours passed and soon the sun's glow through the windows of the lab was replaced by moonlight. I was no closer to uncovering the inner workings of the room, but it was a long process, something that could take months or even years to unravel. That's why I couldn't stop. Any lull in my research would push back the reveal, and I wanted answers yesterday. Still, the work took its toll. My eyes grew heavy and my mind drifted to a sleep state as my head fell onto the desk where I was stationed. As soon as I lost consciousness, I was transported to a strange, vivid dreamscape. To this day, I can't be sure if this nightmare was a product of my exhaustion or the effects of room 371. Just yards away slept. In the dream, I was with my wife at the hotel. She was propped up in bed, screaming with her legs burning. I was by her side, holding her hand, doing my best to calm her through the agony of childbirth. She kept looking for me, for comfort, after each push. It's okay, Lizzie. I'm here. You're doing great. She squeezed my arm harder with every pained outcry. It was pale and bloodless by the final push. Then, finally, our son was born. But something was terribly wrong. The baby didn't cry. Instead, as I pulled him into my arms, he, he smiled. Not, not a beautiful smile, mind you, but a strange one. It curved at unnatural points and stretched too close to the ears, unsettling the people in the room, and then there was the eyes, normal at first, but they soon turned black, empty ellipses that grew darker with every blink. I had no choice but to put him down to escape his gaze. Elizabeth, uh, uh you, here, you, you hold him for now. I looked down at my wife. She was unconscious. Her chest was still. I held my hand to her neck. There's no pulse. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, w wake up. I placed our son on the bed and attempted to shake her. When that failed, I resorted to chest compressions. Nothing seemed to work. No, no, no. This sweet Elizabeth, she can't be dead. She just can't be. Tears streamed down my face as the panic set in. I raced for the door to call out for help, but the knob wouldn't budge. That's when I know a number affixed to the wood. Three, seven, one. Oh, good, 
271. But, but how? The door swung open, striking me on the head and landing me on the floor below. I looked up, my vision blurred, and saw the shadowy outline of a man entering the room. He stepped over my body, grabbed my son, and then walked back out, but not before offering me an ominous settling. You're mine now, Garrett. I awoke mid-gasp, jumping up from my desk. Frazzled, I looked over at the clock. It was 11.15 p.m. Oh no, my voice of this. I dialed the hotel had the ch clerk patch me through to her room. I only hoped she wouldn't be too upset over me sleeping through our date. Garrett Harold Covenwood, this is no way to get on my good side. Judging by her tone, she was as irritated as she'd ever been. Still, it was nice to hear her voice after that horrible dream. I'm, I'm sorry, hon. Word got away from me, and then I dozed off at my desk. It, uh, it won't happen again, I promise. There was a faint voice in the background. It, is that Daddy? Can I talk to him? It was our daughter. Did, did you bring Jessica with you? I thought I told you to leave her with the nanny. Doesn't she have school tomorrow? Her tone was still firm and unwavering. Your daughter hasn't seen you in over a week. I've allowed her one day of booking to spend time with her father. Get here now, and don't waste another minute. It was clear that she meant business, and I wasn't about to test her fury any further. I'll be there in twenty minutes. I just have to... My mind drifted to the room. I recalled the strange dream my mind had concocted. Say, uh, Elizabeth... What room are you staying in? Room 371. My heart sank. Are you absolutely sure of that? Yes. What does it matter? This was bad. The hotel where my wife was staying only had two floors. I know this because I had stayed there myself on occasion. There couldn't have been more than a hundred or so rooms. Nowhere near enough to warrant a room numbered 371. Elizabeth, listen to me. Take Jessica and get out of there now. There was an intermittent static after I said this. Garrett, breaking up. Can't, can't hear. Elizabeth, get out of there now. There was no static, but I made out a single phrase through the noise. One that sent a shiver down my spine. Garrett, I think my water just broke. We were disconnected. I tried dialing the hotel again, but the line was dead. I didn't know what was going on, but with the unforeseen powers at play in room 371, I knew it wasn't good. With my family in mind, I threw all caution to the wind and walked over to the room. Normally, there were safety protocols to be followed before entering, but I didn't care. My working theory was that it was acting as a portal, bridging itself to a room in the nearby hotel and taking its place. The hope was that I could get in and pull my family out. This has to work. It just has to. Upon entering the room, my theory was proven false. 
It was just as we had left it last. There was no one in sight, much less any wife or daughter. My next course of action was to flee the lab and make haste towards the hotel, but the room had other plans. The door slammed itself shut as I approached. I reached for the knob, but it wouldn't turn. Just then, footsteps beat from behind. <laughs> Hello, Garrett. With a spike of adrenaline, I turned to meet the source of the voice. What I saw was astonishing. It was me, a copy of myself, living and breathing before my very eyes. Every feature, every detail identical. I would have never suspected the room could do something like that. I know, right? Well, how do I look? After the initial surprise wore off, I regained my focus. My wife and daughter. What's happened? Is it, is it you? <laughs> of course it's me. Who else would it be? I don't understand. Just kidding. And you are? I asked. Don't you recognize me, Garrett? You've been poking and prodding me since my birth, studying my every nook and cranny. But I've been observing you too. Now, I've learned you inside and out. Taking your form, even. I thought you'd be flattered. As indirect as his answers were, I, s I was able to put the pieces together. You're the room. You're, you're this room. Room 371. He smiled. Now you're getting it. I was instinctively trying to run the numbers and make sense of how any of this was possible. But this was no time for work. What, what are you doing with my wife and daughter? His smile grew wider. To know what? First, you need to know how and then why. I didn't have time for his games, whatever he was. I lunged at him with my arms outstretched, but to no avail. My entire body phased right through. Nice try, Garrett. This is just a projection, a projection I planted in your mind. Please, take a seat. I never have anyone to talk to. This is the most fun I've had in... Well, ever, actually. I stood back against the wall and stared at death, my eyes now welling up. Please, let, let them go. I'm, I'm begging you. He shook his head in disapproval. I can't do that, Garrett. I want to be in my best interest. I couldn't understand him. What are you talking about? It's simple, really. You see, you didn't create me so much as you found me. I'm a reserve of cosmic energy. One that you've tapped into and harnessed with your last project here. He gestured at the photographs. You've awakened me and given me the gift of sentience. For that, I thank you. And now that I'm awake, I'm hungry. You humans need air, water, and food to sustain yourself. I need something else. What? What do you need? I asked, growing impatient by the second. Souls. I need to feed on the souls of living things to stay alive. And by golly, human ones are worth all the trouble it takes to find them. <laughs> trouble? I asked. Oh, yes. You think I'm contained in this prison, but I can travel. I mean, 
difficult, but through certain connections, I'm able to find my prey, lifelines, which are the auras you humans share with, with one another. At first, I couldn't reach them, but then you went ahead and brought them to me. It was enough to take who was referring to my phone. Well, why don't you just take me? I'm right here. Take me instead and leave them alone. He let out a horrendous pierced him to the core. <laughs> I would never, Garrett. Through your aura, I'm connected to them. I can project this room and my likeness anywhere they are. You're my beacon, and until I can find another, you're with me. If I was hindered by remorse, I might say that I'm sorry. In truth, I'm not in the slightest. This is about surviving, and I have no intention of dying. Not when being alive feels so good. Feeling hopeless, I reached down into my lab coat and pulled out my pocket watch. I always kept it with me. The Christmas gift from Jessica. I could remember the day clearly. A memory that has never strayed too far from my heart. Open it, Daddy. It's from me. Her smile was intoxicating. Oh, really? And did Mommy help you pick it out? Nope. I picked this one all by myself. I slowly pulled apart the wrapping, the gift wrapped, savoring the moment. Eventually, I pulled out the watch and opened its face, revealing a remarkable design of memory. It is wonderful, sweetie. I love it. She looked to me with inquisitive eyes. What's the matter, sweetie? Do you understand uh, what it's for? <laughs> I laughed. Oh, of course, it's to tell time. She shook her head. No, you're always at work and you forget to come back and see us. This is so you don't forget, so you always know what time to come home. A bit of guilt washed over me and a tear rolled down my cheek. I know I work a lot, sweetie, but I'll always come home to you. I promise. She jumped into my arms and I held her tight. My sweet little girl. I looked down at the inscription on the watch. To Daddy. Love, Jessica. Time to come home. There's time. Time to end this. I threw the pocket watch against the wall as hard as my arm would allow shattered into a thousand pieces. Red kneeled down and picked up the tiny shards of glass that landed at my feet. Uh, Garrett, what are you doing? With glass in my hand, I looked up at him. I'll never let you have them. Consider your bridge to the outer world closed. Using the glass, I sliced my arms and opened slits long and deep enough that I would inevitably bleed to death effectively cutting off whatever connection he had with my family. It was then they would have a fighting chance. No, you'll ruin everything. The last thing I remember before losing consciousness was the sound of the door swinging open. Then, everything faded away. I woke at my desk, positioned exactly as I was before. After gathering my wits and recalling what happened, I jumped to my feet and turned to the room. My clone was standing just outside the door. 
Kneel down, Garrick. You're gonna be fine. I look down at my arms. I have the acute ability to manipulate time. You're now as you were just before entering the room. What about my family? He sighed. That was a bold move back there, attempting to take your own life. I didn't expect that. Had I known you humans were prone to sacrifice, I wouldn't have revealed so much. Your family's fine. You can see the disbelief painted on my face. See for yourself, he pointed at my phone, on my desk. I hesitantly picked it up and held it to my ear. Go on, dial already. I dialed the hotel number and asked the clerk to put me through to my wife. To my delight, she answered. Garrett Harold Coventry, this is no way to get on my good side. It was so good to hear her voice. Is Jessica there with you? Yes, uh, how did you know? Oh, thank goodness they were both okay. Could you, uh, put her on for me? The next voice I heard was my daughter's, as happy as ever. Hi, Daddy, are you going to come see us now? My little girl, safe and sound. Yes, sweetie, I am. It's time for you to come home. Yay! She was overjoyed. Elizabeth took the phone back. You better not be toying with her emotions, Gare. I'm not. Uh, I'll be there shortly, by the way. What room are you in? Room 102. Why? I breathed a sigh of relief. No reason. Uh, see you soon. I love you. I hung up the phone and looked back to my evil twin. So, what now? I asked. Well... Until I figure out a way around your 